Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, January 26, 2023. Before we get to that, let's do the housekeeping. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow afternoon we do have a vid chat. This is the short format vid chat scheduled at 2.30. Uh, I will be there, but please remember, folks, I've been having some problems with our platform again. Uh, it seems I've been going over the allotted bit rate per month, so I am planning to be there. I am planning to answer the questions. The real problem that we're facing is whether or not we're going to get the uh, answers to record properly. So please bear with us. We are working on getting this whole uh, platform situation straightened out. Please remember to get your comments and questions submitted no later than 10 o'clock tonight, U.S. Central Time. And uh, please remember to keep your questions and comments limited to one page. Uh, I'm having to do that because, as I say, we've been going over our allotted monthly uh, bandwidth that we've been paying for. So please uh, keep that in mind. Now, I want to turn to the Ukraine because there is, just within the last two days, there has been an op-ed piece at the Washington Post, which, as we all know, is a shill for the government, the deep state, the intelligence community, and so on and so forth. There has been an op-ed piece by David Ignatius, who is a career spokesman for the U.S. State Department and therefore for current U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. And there is a, an op-ed on this article that appeared recently. The, the original David Ignatius article in the Washington Post is also an op-ed. So this is an op-ed on an op-ed. Portions of the original op-ed I will be reading to you. Um, this is a very significant development for several reasons, but I, I don't want to get into that until after I get done reading the paragraphs from this article I want to focus on, and then I will tell you uh, my thoughts about it. So here we go. This is uh, from an article by Dances with Bears, and I'm linking all of this for you in the news and views so that you can check this out for yourself. So here we go. Quote, For the first time since the special military operation began last year, the war party in Washington is offering terms of concession to Russia's security objectives explicitly and directly without the Ukrainians in the way. The terms Blinken has told Ignatius to print appeared in the January 25th edition of the Washington Post. The paywall can be avoided by reading on. The territorial concessions Blinken is tabling include the Crimea, the Donbass, and the Zaporozhye-Kherson land bridge that connects the Crimea and Russia west of the Dnieper River, north around Kharkov, and south around Odessa and Nikolaev, Blinken has tabled for the first time U.S. acceptance of a demilitarized status for the Ukraine. 
Also, U.S. agreement to restrict the deployment of HIMARS, U.S. and NATO infantry fighting vehicles and the Abrams and Leopard tanks to a point where in western Ukraine from which they can maneuver as a deterrent against future Russian attacks. This is an offer for trade-off partitioned through a demilitarized zone in the east of the of the Ukraine in exchange for and by the way this person knows the English he used the Ukraine in exchange for a halt to the planned Russian offensive destroying the fortifications rail hubs troop cantonments and airfields in the west between the Polish and Romanian borders Kiev and Lvov and an outcome Blinken proposes for both sides to call, quote, a just and durable peace against future Russian attacks, unquote. This is an offer for a trade-off, partitioned through a demilitarized zone in the east of the Ukraine in exchange for a halt to the planned Russian offensive, destroying the fortifications, rail hubs, troop cantonments, and air forests in the west between the Polish and Romanian borders. Also in the proposed Blinken deal, the offer of a direct U.S.-Russian agreement on, quote, an eventual post-war military balance, no World War III, and no Ukrainian membership of NATO with security guarantees similar to NATO's Article 5. Now I'm skipping a couple paragraphs here. Quote, read on very carefully, understanding, and this is his way of prepping people to citing his citation of the original op-ed article that David Ignatius wrote in the Washington Post. Read on very carefully, understanding that nothing a U.S. official says, least of all through the mouths of Blinken, Ignatius, and the Washington Post, is trusted by the Russians and understanding that what Putin and the Stavka, that would be the Russian general staff, say they mean by Russia's, quote, adjacent historical territories, unquote, and, quote, the small and large motherland, unquote, has been quite peer clear. Follow what Blinken told Ignatius to print before Putin issued his reply. The propaganda terms have been highlighted in bold to mean the opposite, the public positions from which... Blinken is trying to retreat and keep face. Now we are citing the original Washington Post article. Quote, The Biden administration, convinced that Vladimir Putin has failed in his attempt to erase the Ukraine, which incidentally, folks, was not the original objective of the original operation, has begun planning for an eventual post-war military balance that will help keep Kiev deter any repetition of Russia's brutal invasion. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken outlined his strategy for the Ukrainian endgame and a post-war deterrence during an interview on Monday at the State Department. The conversation offered an unusual exploration of some of the trickiest issues surrounding resolution of a Ukrainian conflict that has threatened the global order. Blinken explicitly commended Germany's military backing for the Ukraine at a time when Berlin is getting hammered by some other NATO allies for not providing Leopard tanks quickly to Kiev. Nobody would have predicted the extent of Germany's military support when the war began, Blinken said. 
This is a sea change we should recognize. He also underlined President Lincoln's deter Biden's determination to avoid direct military conflict with Russia, even as U.S. weapons help pulverize Putin's invasion force. Biden has already been emphatic that one of his requirements in the Ukraine is that there be no World War III, Blinken said. Russia's colossal failure to achieve its military goals, Blinken believes, should now spur the United States and its allies to begin thinking about the shape of the post-war Ukraine and how the United States and its allies begin thinking about, uh, pardon me, and how to create a just and durable peace that upholds the Ukraine's territorial integrity and allows it to deter and, if necessary, defend against any future aggression. In other words, Russia should not be able to rest, regroup, and reattack. <coughs> pardon me. Blinken's deterrence framework is somewhat different from last year's discussions with Kiev about security guarantees similar to NATO's Article 5. Rather than such a formal treaty pledge, some U.S. officials increasingly believe the key is to give the Ukraine the tools it needs to defend itself. Security will be ensured by potent weapons systems, especially armor and air defense, along with a strong non-corrupt economy and membership in the European Union. Now, please note those words, a non-corrupt economy and membership within the European Union. Skipping several paragraphs again. This cohesiveness will become even more important as the Ukrainian war moves towards an end game. This year, the Ukraine and its allies will keep fighting to expel Russian invaders. But as in the final years of World War II, planning has already begun for the post-war order and the construction of a system of military and political alliances that can restore and maintain the peace that Russia shattered. Highlighted in bold type in, Blink in Blinken's text is the phrase, a strong, non-corrupt economy and membership in the European Union. Now we're back to the op-ed on the op-ed. This is Blinken's message to the Kremlin that the U.S. wants to preserve, listen carefully, the Ukraine's agricultural economy, its grain export ports, and the trade terms agreed with the European Union before the war. This is a key insight here, folks, and I'll tell you why at the end of the reading. It is also Blinken's acknowledgement that Vladimir Zelensky's move early this week to force the resignations and dismissals of senior officials means that the U.S. is calling the shots in Kiev and Lvov. As Russian officials have been making clear for months, no U.S. terms of agreement can be trusted on paper, and nothing at all which Blinken says. A well-informed independent military analyst comments on the Russian options, quote, the best response is continue the special military operation, destroy the Ukrainian military in their present pockets, complete de-electrification de and destruction of the logistics, then either take everything east of the Dnieper or establish a de facto demilitarized zone, including Kharkov. Blinken and the others cannot be trusted to follow through if they think they have a chance 
to stall for time. The Ukrainian Nazis are conspicuously absent from this proposal, and they remain to be dealt with. We know there will be no end to trouble if the Russian denazification objective against them stops now. Now, folks, that's the article and the op-ed. Now, most of you know that I'm against this war for several reasons, uh, but primarily because it is the West which, in my opinion, is primarily to blame, and not Russia. Russia issued several warnings before the special military operation. The West did not take them seriously. And basically, Mr. Putin responded because he had no other way to respond, because Russia's back, as far as they were concerned, was against the wall. They could not allow a NATO and European Union expansion. Let's remember something else. And this is almost uh, going back 15 years when I was pointing out that the policy towards GMOs between Russia and the Ukraine were almost diametrically the opposite because Russia did not want to allow GMOs and was actually objecting to their health and environmental safety. And the Ukraine did allow GMOs, and as I pointed out many years ago, as early, uh, uh, I think, as 2010, on one of the old bite shows with George Ann Hughes, that the Ukraine had actually given special status to Monster Santo and other GMO companies in the West to have their uh, special privileges in ports designed to export Ukrainian GMOs to the rest of the world. So there's a lot of money involved in Ukrainian agriculture and where you you have that sort of mercantilism and so on going on, think of the Biden Joe crime and grifting family. There's no doubt in my mind at some point if you poke and probe enough you're going to find some sort of Link. So in other words, we're risking World War III so that certain narrow criminal interests and mercantilist corporate interests can get their way in the Ukraine. And I would, I would aver, take a serious pot shot at Russia's agricultural exports, which incidentally have gone up since the collapse of the Soviet Union. But Russia, of course, is exporting organic food, as we would call it over here, non-GMO food. So that's one aspect that's hovering in the background here. The next two things are Germany and, and of course, Biden Joe. Germany here is playing, as far as I can tell, a very weird and dangerous game because on the one hand, it's kowtowing to American demands to send some of its tanks, the Leopard tanks. And incidentally, folks, the Leopard is, is nearing the end of its operational viability. Um, the Germans have a newer tank that they've just been developing by the same company, Rheinmetall. But um, the Leopard is nearing the end of its operational usefulness. It's, a, it's an easier tank to deploy in the Ukraine than the American Abrams. Uh, but I, I needn't go into the reasons why there. There are certain specific reasons why. 
But in any case, Germany's playing a dangerous game. Now, what the end goal of that game is, I don't know, because looking at German policy, it appears to be a mess. Uh, the Germans are dependent, have made themselves, actually, have made themselves dependent on Russian energy, and after having done so, they now take up this uh, challenging posture vis-a-vis -vis Russia with shipments of military equipment. Uh, I don't know what the game is here unless it might be to gain some sort of independence of maneuver vis-a-vis -vis the USA within the European Union. I just don't know, but I don't see any move that they're doing as creating enough leverage for, for real maneuvering room. The final point here is Biden, Joe. Uh, if we look at what Blinken has just proposed, it's more or less what the initial Russian negotiating position was before this special military operation started, with the exceptions, as the author of this op-ed piece points out, with the exceptions of the Nazis, the, the neo-Nazi units in the Ukrainian military that, quite honestly, did nothing but commit atrocities. And the other problem, which, as I mentioned before, was the criminal grifting going on inside of the Ukraine in the name of all of these Western private and corporate interests. So the idea of the Ukraine becoming a non-corrupt economy, especially inside the European Union, is just plain laughable. So the West is returning to Russia's initial position basically. And this really is an indicator that in spite of the way that the Western media has been attempting to portray the Russian operation, that the Russian operation has been successful. Otherwise, we would not see the Ukrainian military and the Ukraine itself begging for all of this aid and equipment. In other words, the Russians have shredded the Ukrainian military. So whether or not they will return to their initial negotiating position is up in the air, and I suspect that the answer is no, because the Russians, as we have seen, were trying for years to get the West to reverse course on its policy in the Ukraine, which the West refused to do. So there's no reason that the Russians have to trust anyone in the swamp, particularly in this administration, which is up to its earlobes in its own corruption and dubious negotiations with the Ukraine. And this has been going on, as we well know, think of Hunter's laptop, for some years. Um, there has been a recent revelation that was carried by uh, Tucker Carlson and Fox News on a particular email on Hunter's laptop that may indeed be the bombshell that connects uh, all of these activities directly to the familial grift of certain families in power. So there's a lot going on, and all of a sudden the United States, and incidentally I should point out that this email was only brought to light within the last couple of days. So in other words, the timing of Blinken's announcement, the timing of the op-ed piece in the Washington Post, 
and the timing of the discovery of that email are all, in my opinion, directly linked. This is what you do when you've been caught with your cookie, uh, with your hands in the cookie jar and caught red-handed. So watch this story. There's going to be more developments, I'm sure. Uh, and once again, you know, I my sympathies to the people of the Ukraine. Uh, for for being caught in the crosshairs and the crossfire here between a duplicitous West and a Russia that was trying to prevent the expansion of NATO. Uh, it's it's really criminal, what, in my opinion, what we've seen the West do. Uh, and if I were the Russians, I wouldn't trust them either. Um, the military analysts are right. Russia needs to finish the operation and then just present a fait accompli. So that's it for our news and views today, folks. Don't forget the vid chat tomorrow. Get your questions and comments no longer than a page, please, in by 10 o'clock tonight. And keep your fingers crossed that we can have our vid chat at all tomorrow due to the changes in the platform. Uh, I'm going to be doing a couple of different things, hopefully, that will... Uh, decrease our bandwidth on the recording tomorrow anyway that's it for our news and views bye bye everybody god bless and see you on the flip side